night, another June, another sunny honeymoon, another season, another reason for making whoopee. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where me, Josh Heron, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read through every Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1918, so you don't have to. Like I said, my name is Josh Heron. I am a third grade teacher on summer break. Um, I'm joined by soccer enthusiast, theater lover, and internet whiz kid, Christopher Munden. <laughs> Hello, Josh. <laughs> and theater maker and giggle puts, John Rosenberg. <laughs> Hello, Josh. Um, this week, we read 1929's Street Scene by Elmer Rice. Um, I'll take the description, I think. Um, this play is sort of a, a I want to say it's a panorama, but it's not. It's very focused, but it's, um, it's sort of a day in the life of a, um, rather two days in the life of a tenement in the Lower East Side in New York City. And um, it's sort of just, I would say it's about the tenement. Um, characters sit on the stoop and gossip and take care of each other. Folks that we that don't come back sort of cross the stage and uh, go about their business and you hear snippets of their conversation, their daily life. You watch family dramas unfold um, and you see how sort of the supposed mythological melting pot of early 20th century New York unfolds and how the various ethnic groups, both uh, so Italian immigrants and Irish immigrants and Swedish immigrants and Jewish immigrants, um, both work together and butt up against each other as their various cultural traditions and norms are expressed. Um, the climax of the play deals with a, um, an unfaithful wife um, and her jealous husband catching her in the act of infidelity um, and uh, subsequently shooting them both and and uh, shooting them both. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, the climax of the play is when um, one of these uh, families is sort of um, ripped apart. <laughs> I hate that. Um, the climax of the play is when um, one of the families, um, the climax of the play is when the matriarch of one of these families is caught by her husband in an act of infidelity and her and her lover are shot. Um, and the final act is sort of the denouement of uh, the police catching him and uh, the rest of the residents figuring out what their life is gonna be like. Um, and in the final moments, we see some new person coming to occupy the, the apartment um, mere hours after the murder takes place, sort of showing the endless cycle and churn of people coming into the Lower East Side. Oh, the crux is about the couple's daughter, right? Rose and um, 
her romances. Her romance with, uh, is it Rose? Rose is the daughter of, um, of Mrs. Morant, who's the one that's being unfaithful. Right. And Rose is, uh, is sort of the ingenue of the play. She has sort of a romantic interest with the young Jewish neighbor, um, and that is frowned upon by many people, but there she also has interest from her boss who is married, who sort of wants to make her a, it was promising her, you know, fame and maybe not for the Italian or Irish taxi driver. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Um, what are some, what, are, what were your reactions to the piece? Christopher. Um, first act, I mean, I really, I really liked the picture he paints of the block and of the house. Just the way he, as you were saying, the way he has characters come in and out. Um, first act, it doesn't, it doesn't feel plot heavy. You realize that he gives, um, he sets up a lot of what's going to happen, but he doesn't introduce the main characters right away. He, he starts off with conversations on the stoop and it really like it does feel like a keenly observed look at like at those people. I thought, um, I thought especially by the third of three acts, it was it was like pretty heavy-handedly plotty. Um, but um, but no, I enjoyed I enjoyed what he tried to do with the play. What did you think, John? Um, I think it was one of the best plays I've ever read. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I felt like Elmer Rice, uh, yeah, I really appreciated his view of humanity and the pettiness and just the viciousness and just the, uh, yeah, I feel like he really had something interesting to say about people and um, yeah, I, I think what you're saying about like how it, it did get plotty, but I guess if someone gets shot, like time kind of, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed reading it. I thought it was, I thought it was, it was great. And I learned a bunch from reading it. I really liked it. what did you think? I really, really liked it. Um, I think, you know, I think in the same way that strange interlude had like a really bold idea and in some ways sort of failed on that promise. Um, I think this had a really bold idea. Um, and I, I, I do, you know, I sort of think that uh, it probably would be uninteresting to like just have life, like to like just have that flow. Um, I would love to see that because I, I think that the first act is so masterful in the way that mm -hmm. he waves, weaves exposition in and characters in and like these things come up that like sometimes they resolve later in the play and sometimes they don't and it's just the way that like life happens um yeah um i think the way the women of this play are given such central roles and are given a lot of power um our sympathy too yeah um and not power in like not power in a way that would have been a historical or anachronistic, but 
um, that really shows the like this was like their domain. Um, mm. I think it does a really interesting job of like, I don't think anyone is painted with a simplistic brush. You know, I think maybe the like, the asshole son, Vincent Jones, but his mom is both like, sort of like a very kind hearted, like nebbishy nosy neighbor, neighbor and horrible, finally anti-Semitic. <laughs> um, and I think it could be simple to like, you know, um, to paint her. There's, um, on the same token, I'm sure that like the Italian patriarch is like painted in a very like some uh, pretty stereotypical brushes. Um, that I found to also be imbued with a ton of warmth. Um, like just the see, like the first time you meet him, he's like handing out ice cream cones. Oh um, yeah. And I think that was just such a lovely moment. Um, you get a glimpse of like 1920s radical Jewry, um, the Jewish like sort of grand communist. Yeah. Yeah, he's always like railing on the class structure, and um, and it's just interesting to hear like that point of view be like. Oh yeah, the crazy old communist. Um, and they like hear him and they're like, ah, pipe up. Like, but he's just like, in my mind, spewing like so much truth. Um, uh, yeah, I think Alma Rice is sympathetic to his beliefs too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's like his family, right? Like I think, I think Alma mm -hmm. Rice is Sam. A stand-in for Sam, yeah. Or oh, Sam is a stand-in for him, yeah. And um, that's his grandfather or father. And yeah, that seems clear. I wonder if there really was a rose. Um, and I think so much is like left, like, um, I think what, I guess, sorry, normally this question is what surprised me. I think, um, you know, especially in the plays we've seen, there's been a lot of like infidelity and like sneaking around and, and, but it's all very like, there's not a lot of trust given to the audience. Like we see what's happening. Um, nothing is sort of mm. kept from us. We don't really see the affair. Like, we know it happened. Mostly our gateway is like the neighbors gossiping about it. Talking about it. It's, it's, a, it's really well done the way that that is presented because we do eventually get a more clear idea that it's happening. But at first, it's just like neighbor talk. Yeah, it's just gossip on the stoop. But we never, I don't even, even I think at the most, like, like there were scenes where they sort of like, we know that the two of them are talking off stage and I like that we don't have access to it. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know, like we don't really know the nature of their relationship. If um, it's the milkman and Mrs. Morant, like we don't know if it's like a really casual physical affair or if it's like romantic or if it's, we don't even know if it's sexual in nature, right? We can like assume, but like all of that is sort of, um, left to the imagination and in a way that like maybe that was to like appease sort of sensibilities at the time but I really like that it's like because it is not seen in the front of the apartment building and because like all we get to see is like that space um it's left unknown yeah I don't think I don't think it was kept out for sensibility I think it was definitely like a artistic choice on the on the dude's part yeah it was done it was done really really well and I gotta say, I thought the anti-Semitism was done so well. 
I like, I really, really appreciated it. You know, just like the, the casual nature of it, just like neighbors talking, just kind of like the, the shared, uh, the shared prejudice. I thought it was done really, really well. Yeah. And I will say say Bryce is Jewish. Yeah. And I think it was really interesting for me. And like, this is probably the story of my grandparents. Um, like th- my grandfather would have been on the Lower East Side around this time um, in a situation sort of like this. Um, and this is a different conversation, but given the way that like Jews have become white in the United States and Jews became, have like assimilated into white culture, like this sort of like neighborhood anti-Semitism is so foreign to me and it's something I've like heard my grandparents sort of talk about and I've always rolled my eyes around. Um, but it's interesting to have a document of like what it might have been like. Mm. Yeah, it feels very real. It feels like his lived experience. Um, but I, I think the other thing I appreciated about the play, because I feel like there's a lot of opportunities for him to be like, this is why people are the way they are, or like these people are victims or these people are evil is like, he doesn't really seem to be interested in uh, taking us by the hand and leading us to any conclusions or like forcing anything on us. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Like Josh was saying the, uh, like the people who say anti-Semitic stuff, they just, they just say it. It's not like they're defining um, personality trait, right? It's just a fact of, of right. It's are. like, yeah, it's like it's like a piece or whatever. Um, yeah, definitely. And I do think that you can see though that, like, I think from a historical context of like these are all groups that would eventually become white, right? That would become white America. Um, but largely, it's like sort of right before that. But you can sort of see it, right? Like, there's the talk about like, oh, foreigners can't raise babies. Oh, excuse you. Oh, well, not the like, not no. Germans are just like Italians, and you're fine. But like the yeah. Polish, like ugh, like you can see the like processes of like assimilation and like who is counting as foreign and who is not. Um, I thought that was really really interesting too, and so it sort of makes sense that, that like you're creating a sort of social pecking order. Um, and so, like, I don't think he, like, hits you over the head with it, but you see it happen, right? That the Jews are the easy ones to, like, uh, sort of belittle to, like, raise yourself up a notch on the social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. What's um, Rose's background, Mrs. Morant, the Morants? I don't, so I watched, um, I, so I should also say, oh, I can also say that this is probably most famous in that it's been turned, it was converted into an opera by a real dream team. Um, the music by Kurt Vile, lyrics by Elmer Rice and Langston Hughes. And then they kept some of the book from the play. Um, it's really interesting. I watched maybe the first mm, third of it. Um, I don't think I prefer it to the play. Um, but in watching the play, I saw portrayals and Mrs. Morant sort of had like a classic Brooklyn accent or like, I guess like a New York accent. Mm. Like I think mm. my understanding is that she was maybe, you know, a second or third generation. 
I saw a movie, so it's, it's turned into a movie like a year or two later, maybe 1931, mm-hmm. with Alma Rice adapting the script. And I think King, what's his name? King Vogel, he, he does a bunch of movies, produces and directs them around that time. And it's, uh, it's pre-Hays Code, so they can keep in, um, you know, the, the moral ambiguity of the play nicely. And they keep in um, a bunch of the anti-Semitism and, um, and it's well acted. I said, uh, the rose is, um, is that death um, advisor in Beetlejuice. 50 years later, she played that. That's <laughs> I, I like, I've, I've long wondered who that woman was. I'm glad that she... <laughs> yeah, this role is when she's like 21 and then, yes, it's the, it's like six, 50, 60 years later that she's... Does she still juice. feel like death personified? No, she's life personified then. Oh. Um, was there anything you didn't like about it? John? No, I mean... Like, once the murder happened, like, the play was out of our control, or it's just, like, it yeah. sped towards a thing. And so, like, it was, like, uh, it was irrelevant, like, whatever I might have wanted to have happen or anything. No, I, I really enjoyed the play, and, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, seeing that movie, the the murder and the chase and that kind of stuff, it feels like a 1930s movie. You know, it has has that gunfighting, it has that drama. Um, I don't know, because in some ways that first act was so quiet, mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed by how, how, by that drama. But um, I appreciate still that he, you know, what he did to set up that action was really good. I mean, how many characters are there in the play? There's... Oh, a million. It's insane. I would and thought... then, oh. you know, and then there's all those like unnamed characters, like a man with a dog or something like walks across the stage and they like have to have like a 50 person cast. It's amazing. Like, I would love to see a really, really, really lavish production of this. Um, like, with a really, like, I would, like, die to just see something, like, with a lot of verisimilitude and a lot of, it would, I would be, like, overwhelmed. And I think you're probably more likely to see, like, uh, a big ensemble community theater or college theater, something yeah. like that do it, aren't you? somewhere where they could have that kind of cast, have a role um, for everyone. I'm trying to remember, there's even a moment where like these three women maybe walk across stage and they're talking about like office, like gossip. And you mm-hmm. get like, it's amazing. Cause you get like, maybe like a one back and forth, like character A says something, character B says something, character C says something, A says something back. And in three lines, you get sort of like a glimpse of the story and like enough but it's not like it doesn't feel artificial. Um, and yeah, I, I lived in, yeah, go on. 
and then just like the some of the stage directions around like the no like the like the idea that like it's just like always like I think he really keeps it feeling like a like a street scene, right? Like he really works to keep that feel like really vibrant and alive. And I think that helps give the play, even if the first act is relatively quiet. That like the first time I the only time I was bored is in that chase scene. Because I don't care about like police chase like but like I was always interested in like who was gonna come down the street next and who was gonna like uh how the dynamics would change when like a husband walks on the stoop and now it's not just all women mm. or, like the configurations I thought were really interesting. Yeah, and and I was surprised at how well I could follow along reading it without like being able to see the characters, but and having so many characters, and yet I I was really able to follow along each scene and to remember who was there. I, yeah, it was really well done. I was just going to say, it reminded me living in Center City and spending a lot of time on my stoop and the snippets of conversations you'd catch from people walking past, um, told stories in a couple lines, and yeah, he did that. He got, he captured, um, he seeks out, he, he does something interesting with this play. And he's trying to do something interesting. And I think he, he was successful. He paints a street scene. So I feel like, you know, that we're all kind of like in agreement about this. Um, something I, I thought about, that I've been thinking about while reading this is like, and maybe you guys know more about this than I do, but there's been no like real evolutionary jump in like emotions, right? Like what people were feeling emotionally a thousand years ago or the emotions that ruled them are the same emotions that rule us now, right? Yeah. Yes. I would say our vocabulary changes. Yeah, of course, of course. But like, sure, there's been massive leaps in intellectual understanding of like what the world is, what people are, how we work. But like, we're still basically ruled by the same emotions that people were thousands of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I guess I was thinking, I, I was kind of thinking about that with this and maybe other stuff, but it's fascinating, like, all the advancements we make as people that were still ruled by the same base emotions that people have been experiencing for a really, really long time. Um, I really don't have a point. What One emotions moment. were you seeing in this play? Jealousy, uh, lust? I don't know. I mean, I guess like what I really appreciated about the play was just his, it, he just seems to have a very large view of humanity. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I really appreciated, uh, he seemed like a, he seemed like he likes people and like, and he likes humanity, even for all of their faults or whatever, but yeah. I don't necessarily have a point, but I, I've just been thinking lately about the idea that like, yeah, the emotions that rule us are the same ones that people have been dealing with before. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, Ecclesiastes. 
to Shakespeare to Elmer Rice to John Rosenberg. <laughs> if I was in the play, yeah, I I want to say I would be the grandpa, like the Jewish grandpa railing about capitalism. But I I think I'm the Italian music teacher. The Italian music teacher. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the the Swedish uh, superintendent. No, I'm not a. No, I'm. I am. <laughs> no. I'm definitely the guy bringing ice cream for everyone. Okay. I also like. Can we just appreciate like a time when you could write a character who like buys ice cream for everyone and is not immediately seen as creepy? Like he's just like <laughs> joyful. Like you get the cone. <laughs> Make ice cream safe again is what I'm saying. Uh, we both, we both, we all know who Chris would be in this play, right? The milkman. <laughs> Come on. I think Chris would be Sam. Sam, yeah. No. no. Who would Chris be? No. I think Chris would be maybe be Mr. Easter, making promises to make someone a star. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he ain't Sam. That's that's not Christopher. He's not like uh no. Are you the are you could be the Jewish grandfather? Or you could be uh the jealous husband. Oh well, you could be a stagehand. Yes, the stagehand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um well I was gonna say that a few of the uh the working class people are like theater people, aren't they? Yeah. It's a stagehand. Isn't there someone else who works in the theater? Yeah, I think so. A musician. I, the I Italian work. dude. The Italian dude, which is interesting. That's probably, yeah. I mean, Alma Rice did grow up in this kind of situation, but I think he's he's getting adult experience of it through. Oh, I know who you are. Within the theater. Me? Yeah. You're the, like, the posh lady who comes in and is like, how dare you spend my money on a movie ticket? Out. <laughs> the, like, I am social worker from hell. I am not that person. <laughs> um, maybe you're the. Are you the lady that all, that all she has to live for is her dying mother? Or maybe the little kid who uh, asked for the dime. Yeah. Come on, Ma. Just one more cone, please. So so for your dream production, what is it? It's like you want to see, you want like a ton of money spent on the set and like a hundred yeah. people in it. Or a hundred people in it as like a benefit production for the Tenement Museum in New York using their like existing structure. Or like shut down the street and do it on the street. Well, they did that in Brooklyn, but I want to see it actually oh. at the Lower East Side. Um, I don't know if it was a Lower East Side. I mean, that's where the Tenement Museum is, but New York was probably covered in tenements. That's true. Yeah. Um, but that feels like the... That feels right. It does feel right, but I'm not sure it's true. Well, in my production it is. In your production it is. <laughs> is it? Um, 
they talk about going downtown. But I... um, they talk about going to Stanford. Um, talk, I like they talk about going to the, the suburbs of Queens. Suburbs of Queens. Buying a house in the suburbs of Queens. Yeah. Mm. Um, who would you be, John? Probably one of the rabid anti-Semites. They seem like an interesting character. Would be the, the street tough? Yeah, yeah it's not The taxi that's driver. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the handsy one? No, yeah. Handsy <laughs> taxi driver. Um, but I will say, I feel like this play was a massive departure from all the other ones, or the, the ones before this. Um, yeah, it's... I mean, I feel like there's a championing of humanity in this play that I didn't really feel in previous plays. Or like, there's definitely like protagonists and antagonists and all that horseshit. But like, it just seemed very, very big. And like, even though you could say he was like, he wrote it and he was in, in control, it was so much bigger than he was. And even yeah. the like, and even the father who kills the like, like, even he gets a redemptive moment. He does. It's not like, a simple. Like everyone is character. sort of like. I yeah I this is probably my favorite thing we've read. Yeah yeah. Um, maybe maybe it's uh I mean I think you know you know Eugene O'Neill plays were good but a lot of the other ones especially were not as don't feel as mature as this one. Yeah. And and then Strange Interlude, we see um, O'Neill trying to do something different with the theater. And I really felt like we saw that again this year with Elmer Rice. You know, he'd written more experimental plays, but this is an experimental way of setting up a drama. And... And... And yeah, more more complex. It feels more like a mature work of theater than much of the other work we've heard. Yeah. I mean, this is something that like I, you know, like we talked about, I, I'd love for it to see, I'd love to see it be done this way. I'd love to see it be done that way. Like this, I would just love to see it be done. I feel like, and I Did know- Did you look up the production history? Yeah, it, there was a production in, I said there, uh, there was a, a production on a street in Brooklyn Otherwise, uh, maybe yeah. like seven years ago. Oh dear, that's I think that's the, too that's too precious for me. Um, I mean, I think it's probably like the cheapest way to do it, right? Like, I I, I do yeah. think you need some sort of like set. Okay, I do. Th I think that like the set, like the street, is such a character that like if you have a like dinky looking street, it's tough. Or you just I mean, go the just other way with it, stoop, make it yeah. like. Uh, you can make it like what guinea pigs live in and just make it completely clear and see-through. So like there's yeah. absolutely no privacy to any of the characters and you see all their lives. Yeah, I'm going to stage it in a super max prison. <laughs> oh, <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I think this thing just like, Maybe even it's even like normally dialect bums me out, but I feel like 
I just heard these characters' voices in my head so clearly, and it just like sang off the page. We had that um, that Swedish voice again that we saw in Anna Christie, and I didn't yeah. mind it as much, or maybe I just got used to it. I think and it also. We, yeah. I think like who they are is not informed by their like their nationality or their background doesn't inform who their character is. Like, even though, right, they're like, the Ita- right, 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 like the Italian guy, right, you could either go two ways. You can make the Italian guy completely against the stereotypes of what things are, or like, he's just that, just one of those dudes, you know? And I just feel like, for some reason, the characters were just done so well. And like, that's definitely a tightrope of, like making the older Jewish dude a radical intellectual without it seeing, seeming like either cloying or just like protective of him or something like that, you know? And that poor daughter that like... M's sister. Oh, yeah, the, that, yeah. That, that always reminds me, I don't know if you ever heard this quote by James Baldwin that like, so like the saddest thing in the world is a sister. Have you ever heard this thing? No. He, ha- he has this thing, I forget what it's from, but just like talking about having a sister is like the saddest thing in the world. And it reminded me of that uh, with that poor sister who's just devoted to Sam and like... And the father. And is yeah. anti-Sam. Uh, she's very against Sam marrying a non-Jewish girl. Yeah. And marrying before he's finished his education. Mm-hmm. And I liked I liked the way Rice treats her too, because right, she see we see her kind of as an impediment to Sam and Rose. She is um, you know, kind of busybody like talking people down and but then she has real moments of like kindness and humanity, especially towards the end when Rose's mother has died, she's the one who's there for her. And I do appreciate that Rose, uh, you know, is not just in love with one person and then in love with the other. Like, you know, like she she seemed, she's not given a ton to work with. Like she, I feel like she's just there to like be abused by the, the plot. But like, I appreciate that like, yeah, it wasn't like she was in love with Sam or just used him to make someone else jealous or something like that. No. And even the relationship with her boss, like she considers that as a way of escape. Yeah. Well, next week, <laughs> um, we're reading Mark Connolly's Green Pastures, which- It's the one you really like, right? Yeah, it's my favorite. Um, I haven't read it yet, um, but everything about it seems like it's going to be a real cringe fest. Fantastic. I can't wait. Um, a terrible one to be reading. Right. To have three white guys read right now. Uh, like like uh, it deals with race relations in America? I don't even think it does. I wouldn't that. even say that. It's I just... think it seems like it's sort of a like, glorified minstrel show about Jesus. But it was, according to Wikipedia, it was the first Broadway play to have an all black cast. 
Okay, so maybe that's not the appropriate oh word to use. Then. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be uh, that'll be a fun one to do a tightrope on. I'm gonna I want to watch Chris's face as he. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna cut that out. Uh, Thank you. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Me and Chris will be all anxious, and John will just be like throwing uh, like gasoline on the fire. It's like I really liked how they used this uh, racist film. I thought they, they did it very well. I'm a people person. I love people, guy. All people. You're you're a you're a you're an equal opportunity offender. Is it? <laughs> um, all right. Um, so look forward to talking with us next week. Um, or maybe, uh, I don't know, if that's not your thing. You can <laughs> Take the week off. Take the week off. <laughs> I blame you. Maybe, maybe John and Chris will talk about green pastures and I'll just do select readings from Angela Davis or something to counteract. Well, yeah, we'll do that. We'll talk about 90s underground hip hop. How about that? That'll make it, that'll make it really good. <sighs> All right. Well, <laughs> uh, it's been a blast. Um, God, it was good to read a good play. Um, Hell yeah, man. Yep, we'll see you next week for uh, Green Pastures. Take care, honey. A lot of rice. The groom is nervous. He answers twice. It's really killing that he's so willing to make movies.